Hello and welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is February 8th, 2017. This is the 10th episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that's found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com call. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you'd be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. On location here in Chicago, Illinois, for the auto show that's about to happen, here right on State Street at the Dana Hotel. Got a gorgeous view out the window, looking really nice. And it is my birthday today, so I could have taken it off, taken it very easy, but I wanted to, to talk about this particular subject that came out of you know, big game news today and kind of get your feedback on it. So we'll get to that soon, but you know, turning 29, getting older, but questionably getting wiser. So we'll see about that. Now, if you're new to the show, we're hoping to have these podcasts happen every weekend, but also on certain weekdays like today, generally lining up with the evenings when big game news breaks. First, I open the show for about 10 minutes to reflect on the show's main topic. Then after a small commercial break, we set up callers to join the show to either discuss the show's main topic or set up any gaming question of your choosing. Once that's run its course, I'll end the show with a fun segment. We'll call it a day, hopefully in about an hour's time. And if that sounds like your kind of podcast, let's get right into it. So big news today on the video game industry landscape uh, that the Electronic Entertainment Expo, also known as E3, is opening its doors to the general public for the very first time this year in June 2017. Uh, it began as a trade show in 1995, and while it had a couple tumultuous years, kind of you know the E for all days, if you will, it's always been meant for those that are in the video game industry, whether you work as retailers or executives or working in game development, just in that field. So the Entertainment Software Association announced today that an allotment of 15,000 tickets will be made available starting Monday, February 13th for anyone to buy. There's an early bird price of $150 per ticket, normal price is $250, and it grants access to the show floor panel discussions, and other events, like there are certain benefits with Jeff Keighley's planned developer interviews, let's say. Now, this is different than E3 Live, something that happened in 2016, where there was an assortment of games and events that were available free to the public outside the convention center. But the idea is to bring the public into the space that the industry has occupied for so long. Now, this move certainly has its benefits. It adds an extra jolt of relevancy to E3, especially when you compare it to other public events like Gamescom and the different PAX events, PlayStation Experience. In a way, I read an interesting article where it was phrased that this is an attempt for E3 to kind of become the San Diego Comic-Con of the video game industry, which is an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, just a big big event, the biggest in the industry, where all of the people can gather together and embrace the industry of games. It's also a move that emphasizes the power of word of mouth and social influencers, whether they be big or small, as opposed to what traditional media usually allows for. It's embracing a wider gaming audience, which that's a good thing. It's also an attempt to bring back publishers that have foregone purchasing floor space in the past couple years. I mean, we're looking at Activision and EA. Last year, their absence from the show, that's, 
That was significant and made you know South Hall very empty. They were trying to do their own thing where EA in particular had EA Play where, oh, come to our event. Don't worry about that E3 there. So if this can become a big public event again, like a Comic-Con sort of event, then you know that the biggest game publishers in the world are going to want to come back there and bring their, their demonstrations and buy that floor space again. And ultimately, when it comes down to it, a benefit of this move is more money. You're going to have more people paying for these tickets, investing more in the event, and that will certainly be a benefit as well. The biggest detraction, though, is that this hurts small gaming websites the most. Now, these were those who were able to make it to a trade event based on their own merits, and they waited in line to see the games like normal attendees would. Yet, they're small enough that they weren't able to really schedule private meetings with developers where really the behind the scenes looks really took place. Now, these small gaming websites would be in competition with everybody else, waiting in those long lines that are just going to be even longer. And that's really not good for these these small websites that are trying to start out and make a name for themselves by going to E3 and trying to break some of that news. And as a result of this, the role of media diminishes as a whole. I mean, when you consider it, everything is broadcasted live to the public around the world as it is, Anyone sitting at home could maybe try to make the same takeaways, especially from things like the press events, the conferences. Uh, you know, what's the point of being there necessarily when someone sitting at home can make the same kind of take? So I have a unique perspective on this. I think I once attended E3. Now, this was almost seven years ago, back in 2010. So the times were different. Let's say G4 was still an operating television channel here in the United States for for reference. So I wanted to kind of provide a little bit of perspective for those that saw this news and thought, this is my chance. I can finally attend E3. I want to buy tickets. I want to kind of provide maybe an alternate look as someone who has been there once before. Of course, in addition to the cost of the tickets, you need to consider the flight to Los Angeles, the hotel in Los Angeles, which that is expensive based on the time of the event, and food in Los Angeles, it's just more expensive than what it probably is back home. So there are more costs than just the ticket, and of course I'm sure you figured that out. But do keep in mind that I, I saw some reactions that I don't think grasp this perfectly, is that this does not allow entry into the press conferences. It may be your dream to go to E3, and if the idea is, yeah, I wanna walk the show floor and play the games, that's okay, that, that's fine, but don't go to E3 based on this ticket and expect, well, I'm gonna get into the Sony conference, I'm gonna get into the Microsoft, no. No, no, that's, those are different events that usually take special invitations. So don't be buying these tickets expecting that to happen. What you should expect is tremendously long lines on the show floor. I mean, in 2010, they were pretty lengthy and the gaming press has only grown every year since then. And now you're adding 15,000 people from the public on top of that, that's going to be crazy. Just pack crowds as well. I don't know if you've seen pictures from E3's past, but that show floor gets pretty hectic. And just to think 30% more people on top of that, it's, it's gonna be nuts. 
The most important thing is to keep your expectations in check. If you think that you're going to get the chance to play every game and you're just going to have the greatest time, you know, maybe scale that back a little bit. Maybe pick five games just to start that you want to play and then kind of set that as a baseline and go from there. Uh, You know, I would hate to see, you know, come June when you get all these people with tickets and say, well, E3 wasn't what I thought it was at all because you kind of built it up in your mind when it's originally intended to be a press event. And we'll see if E3 kind of remodels itself a little bit, whereas the amenities for the public are kind of more accepting of a larger crowd size. Uh, you know, we don't know that for sure. There could be some growing pains. It's, it's hard to say for now. So just keep that in mind. But the most important thing, bring comfortable shoes. There's a lot of walking. There's a lot of standing. So be prepared. So what would I say is the right way to do E3 in 2017? Honestly, especially if you're trying to be a small gaming website just starting out, I'd say honestly stay in the comfort of your own home, communicate with people online, save the money for one, watch the press conferences, react, it could be live on YouTube, live on Twitch, uh, pre-record things that you can edit later, do podcasts after the fact. There's so much that can be done at home where you don't have to kind of deal with the crowded, noisy, just chaotic environment that will be E3 this year. If you really do want to go to E3 2017, I would say make your highest priority that you want to look to network with other people, not to play the games. And I think that's really important. If you're trying to go there as just a fan because you like games, well, okay. If that's that's your one dream, again, set those expectations in check like I mentioned earlier. But if you're trying to go because you want to be in the industry, I think the biggest benefit that you could have out of it is, is the networking and meeting with other people, uh, meeting with other journalists, meeting with other... Uh, you know, industry just happen, you know, face-by-face interactions, perhaps. Those, I think, are the biggest takeaways you can possibly get out of it, and not necessarily the games that you'll find on the floor, because really, again, like, the big secrets are probably going to be those behind-the-scenes, closed-door, scheduled-in-advance sort of meetings. Anyway, I just wanted to kind of go over that, and just to, to kind of make sure that when people, if people, you know, go and buy these tickets on February 13th, Uh, They just really need to keep their expectations in check. And I hope that, you know, E3's past have not really built up what it is. Uh, You know, as much as I enjoyed my time there, and I'll talk about it later in the show on on our last segment here, it wasn't an ideal sort of thing. And I, I was very lucky to experience what I did. But at the same time, you know, just even in the years that it's grown since then, like it's it is chaos, and there is only so much you can experience. And now when you add in the much larger crowds, I can only imagine what it is now. So that's what I think about the subject. When we come back, we'll get to the callers. What do you think about what I have to say? I'd love to hear your thoughts, but you can also bring up whatever gaming topic you'd like to discuss. And don't forget, you can also reply to what another caller had to say, too. That's all when we come back here on The Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. You know, every time I keep having an episode in these hotel rooms, 
and with you know the way I project my voice, and it, it can be loud. But with thin walls, I'm surprised no one says has knocked on the door and be like, "Keep it down in there." I don't know. It's it's good to I guess you know try different times throughout the country and see what works for different people and get to hear different voices. So looking forward to that for sure. Joining us from Pennsylvania, Seth. Welcome to the Power Switch. What's up, Peter? Hey, how are you good doing? To be here. I'm doing good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us. What's on your mind? Uh, E3, and I uh, I heard what you had to say. I didn't really think of some of those things. Like I, I was one of the people who was thinking we would be getting uh, access to the press conferences if we did go. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have thoughts that you were saying they want to make it more like Comic-Con, right? I, I think that's it was something that... Uh, journalist. I think it was for Kotaku UK. Uh, they kind of had a write-up, and that kind of seems what they want to go on. If they want to make yeah. this, you know, one of the biggest events in gaming, and they kind of know that, you know, E3 is a big event, at least when it comes to news. Uh, but if they want to add the public element in it, but also have the news breaking as well, I think you know, Comic-Con's a pretty fair comparison with what they're trying to go after. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say as far as what they're like aspiring to be, that's probably uh, the best Thing to go with mm-hmm. the thing with comic-con is that i don't know if it's like this anymore i feel like we did get to see some of the trailers after the fact at the most recent comic-con but mm-hmm. in the past it always used to be that you go to comic-con so that you can see the trailers right if you don't get to, uh that ticket if you don't get into those rooms you don't get to see anything and you know maybe it's like another couple of months before the first trailer for the newest movie comes out that's a very good but, point and i think that's you know a focus on uh, the panel nature that's very big with comic-con now certainly with yeah. e3 you have the press conferences and i think the strategy there is you know why just show these trailers you know just very secretively to you know so many media members when you can broadcast it live throughout the world and uh, that's one strategy certainly uh, but then the rest of it is just it's open air on the floor. Uh, and they talk about like, oh, there may be some panels. Uh, so I wonder if, you know, behind the scenes stuff may be shown there. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's the one difference, at least between the two events, is that, you know, Comic-Con is it's, it's the panels. And you can at least, you know, kind of close that off. Not all of them get broadcasted. So that would be a difference there, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that uh, as far as E3 goes, it actually benefits more from the fact that, like, from the type of media that video games are, because the people at home, they get to see the trailers, they get to see gameplay, but it's completely different to actually be there and to not only experience seeing the, you know, trailers firsthand, but getting to play part of the demos. And I think that could be, you know, a good selling point and I guess comparison to Comic-Con. I was thinking that, and, and this might be completely logistically insane, but what if during the press conferences, obviously you can't fit everyone in one theater. What if all of the screens that like, I would assume that there's, you know, screens all over the uh, show floor. Do you think that they would start playing the uh, the press conferences on those screens, and that way they could potentially sort of spread the hype throughout the area, even 
with the people who aren't in the press conference themselves? Yeah, I mean, that's it's possible. It really depends on when they schedule uh, the press conferences. So yeah. E3 opens the show floor at noon Pacific time on the Tuesday of that week. Now, granted, a lot of the press conferences have been moving towards, you know, some on Sunday, but mostly Monday. So all the press conferences themselves generally happen before the show floor opens. Uh, now, I remember when I went, uh, I'm trying to remember if, you know, when the, the Sony event, it may have been, that was may have been at a time where it was after the show floor opened on like that Tuesday afternoon. Because I remember like there were monitors where like part of the Sony conference was streaming. And I don't think that I may have been live. After yeah. after that show floor opened, uh, like, but imagine, it's it's seven years ago, so it's it's hard to remember. Yeah, I imagine that you know if it it's E three, it's probably best known for the press conferences. I think that's what all of the attendees know it for. Mm-hmm. So I imagine they're like in order to justify the two hundred fifty dollar price, like they're going to have to come up with things to make it worthwhile to go there. I mean, I feel like if they screw that up and just offer nothing but long lines, then this thing that they're doing to potentially revitalize E3 could potentially kill it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. They do have to consider, you know, the public morale in a way. Uh, yeah, you can't just have, you know, crazy long lines like you hear from reports at PAX of, you know, certain games where it's just very long lines. I mean, when I went, the longest line I waited in was two hours to play Nintendo 3DS for the first time. And, like, that was pretty crazy. It was even longer the day after. But then again, like, that was the biggest focus of the show. Now, granted, this audience will be way bigger. There probably won't be any new hardware to try firsthand, I'd imagine. I mean, Switch will be out by then. Uh, I would still imagine Scorpio would be in conceptual talks, and I, I would almost doubt that there'd be you know, hands-on units there. But if if that is the case, that would certainly be interesting. That would that would play a big factor. But they have to have considered this, and not just say, well, we want to bring the public in, but we haven't considered any of the other variables. Are they going to have more space for this? Because that could be one way to, you know, fix some of these problems. Just have a lot more space, have a lot more uh, demo stations for each developer. I can see why E3 itself would want to uh, bring a whole bunch of people in. Like, you know, they're getting a whole lot of money from the ticket prices. But where does that benefit the developers? Right. They've kind of maximized the size of the convention center, really. They're using Mm -hmm. both halls, the the south and west halls of the L.A. convention center. Uh, And, you know, they want to bring in as many developers and publishers as possible. Like, they certainly want to attract the Activisions and the EAs back again, I'd imagine. But it is that balance of they want to invite so many, but there's only so much space. And yeah. so I think that's that's going to be a struggle for them because the, they can balance it like how they would in the past. And Nintendo always seems to have a, a very big floor space, you know, regardless of what they bring. I mean, last year was just Breath of the Wild, and we'll see what it is this year. I'm sure they're going to have a Switch blowout. Um, yeah. yeah. It's tough. Like, that's, that's all part of the planning that they have to do. I feel like one of the benefits could be, and this is why I think, like, 
show the uh, the press conferences on the show floor and then cut the camera to wherever like the most people are just standing and looking up at these monitors and just like for the biggest trailers like uh, I spent earlier today looking at uh, the E3 reaction to Super Smash Brothers Melee and just like, yeah yeah I mean it was it was not quite as much as the Twilight Princess reveal but still right. like it was a whole bunch of just random people mostly fans and you know they were yelling and screaming I feel like those are the kind of reactions that they want to get. I feel like other developers are want, going to want more of that because I think that's part a big part of what sells games. Yeah, and, and for certain ones like that, that I think hype. you know Sony, you know, invited some you know select PlayStation fans. Maybe they ran a contest or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that's all based on the the company running the event. I don't think that's you know E three as a whole. Uh, it does bring up an interesting idea that. If they did something like a big day-long viewing party at like an arena, say if they rented out Staples Center, which is right in that LA Live area, like it's it's yeah. a very short walk away from the convention center. If they rent out Staples Center for that Monday when the big press conferences happen, and then that's where you get the 15,000 plus public people coming in, that's where you could get big reactions like show the press conferences on the jumbotron there like that could be really exciting but again that's planning a separate event because yeah it's again the the press conference is happening on the monday does that alter the people's travels plans if they were thinking you know just to come in for the the tuesday Mm -hmm. through thursday it would be a big thing uh you know zero around my mentioning in our discord chat in the the podcast chat over on our discord channel uh you know sony doing the theater idea for e3 i mean that's theaters across the country, kind of a, a smaller, very localized scale. But yeah, if you're trying to help cater to those that are you know paying the money to come out there, I think I think that's a, a possibly interesting idea. Yeah, that sounds too interesting to like actually happen. <laughs> too good to be true. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm pretty excited for uh, whatever's happening with E3. I think that with it sort of struggling for relevancy these days. They might be pressuring the companies to bring out the big guns. I don't know what kind of pressure they can put on the companies. Probably can't put much on uh, Nintendo. But I think they want to have just a big showing from everyone. And they might get that with uh, the pressure of having to impress all of these fans. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a lot on their plate. Like they're, uh, I think they realize that their relevancy was diminishing and this was a move that had to be made and you know there are certainly the downsides of part of the benefit for a a smaller gaming website you know someone trying to break into the industry is well you still could make the case to go to e3 because you are in the the industry and yet there were people who got in that were members of public some people making cracks like that on twitter today but you know still in the minority here but for those yeah, you know, gaming websites, whatever that they're trying to break in, like yeah, that kind of loses the edge when you're adding just so many more people that could make their voice heard on Twitter and, and social media, and they could be an influencer, be they big or small. So I get the frustration of smaller gaming websites, but overall, for the success of the event itself as a whole, I think you you did need to bring in the public. Yeah, would would the uh, I guess the smaller 
press uh, sites. I mean, they would get like press badges. Yeah, yeah, they did get press passes, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, give you you know credence to cut in front of the lines or something like that. Unless well, if they, if, if they came up with a way where there were separate press and public lines, uh, which I, again, like it, mm. it comes down to hopefully they've thought these things through. Yeah. It's very early and just, you know, the news breaking just today, but I kind of wanted to get like the quick reactions out of it. Like, what do we, what do we think about it? Like, could it work? Uh, and I, I think the idea of uh, if they did something like rent out Staples Center, if you want those big reactions, if you want to make mm-hmm. it relevant, you know, have something to offer that the, you know, games comes and the PAXs and all don't have yet, at least when the press conferences shine at E3, have essentially like a big theater that everyone can all gather and watch. Yeah. Anything else um, you want to talk about? I know I, something that just came to mind. You're a big fighting game community fan, especially in the, the Smash scene. So Evo uh, just wrapped up today right. unofficially the results that Marvel vs. Capcom 3, apparently if unofficially won the charity donation total. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, congratulations to Marvel. I was definitely pulling for that over Pokken just as far as what interests me. I don't think I watched either of them last year oh, i might have watched a little bit of Pokemon, but just for the curiosity yeah just for the curiosity but uh that game was just a little slow for me i hear that uh even though marvel has supposedly been figured out as far as like oh there's only these many characters that'll work and uh you end up seeing the same strategies every single game apparently at the more recent uh i don't know if they're they're locals or just sort of smaller tournaments there's been sort of a rise of different unique uh styles so Hmm. uh, i think i think that's going to be interesting to see the game that i was expecting to be competing with them uh was skullgirls yeah yeah same i I think with you know the legacy of competing with melee and you know pulling the money together for charity you'd think they could have put up a bigger fight yeah i mean i honestly i don't think that uh the developers even one of them might have mentioned it. One of them might have, might have retweeted it. But, I mean, things have definitely changed from when uh, they could pull all of the uh, voice actors together and have big streams. The other thing is that I didn't realize that this was for charity until, hmm. like, today. Or maybe it was yesterday. But, like, when it was first announced and when all the pages went up, I did not see the Make-A-Wish logos. I might be blind. Yeah, it wasn't pushed as much as, you know, it was in the, the, what, 2013 or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2013 was the Breast Cancer Research uh, Mm, Association. Everyone was really talking about that, and uh, that that actually probably helped Skullgirls out uh, a lot because, uh, you know, it had all those voice actors yelling... uh, for the boobs and <laughs> other things like that. And I guess, you know, with the because of Pokens efforts, you know, 10,000 will be donated to the, the charity of choice for this time around. And, that, and that's good to see. But yeah, oh. for Marvel, like it, it's it's the the last go for it really. I mean, well, Infinite's coming out later this year after Evo and that'll be a shoe in next year, I'd imagine. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it's like we said during the Evo episode. I mean, it's it is the most logical one to be selected and it's it's interesting to see that actually play out i i would have actually been like pretty upset if uh if pokin had gotten in just because like i feel like 
part of the big push for it was uh, Alpha Zealot, uh, who runs uh, both Smashboards and I'm not sure what the uh, Pokin website is called, but he was uh, really big on that whole fundraising effort. Uh, I, I should mention that uh, the 10000 that's going to uh, Pokin, that's not going to an additional charity. That's going towards pot bonuses for Pokin tournaments. Oh, yeah, that's an important distinction. Thank you for yeah. pointing that out. No, no, I'm I mean, sorry, I mean, I'm just phased here that you know Alpha Zealot, that's a name from, gosh, my Smash Brothers past. That's, that's crazy that's right. to see what he's, boss, what he's continued it? to go, yeah. But yeah, I mean... 10,000 as far as pot bonuses, like, I don't know how big the Pokin scene is outside of, you know, that one time at Evo. I'm sure there are tournaments for it. Like, I think it's going to be at CEO, hmm. but hopefully they don't die from losing this like uh, the Skullgirls uh, community seem to. Oh, yeah, and, and hopefully there's potential that there could be a Pokin port or sequel on the Switch. So this might not be the uh, the last that we hear from Pokin at uh, Evo. That is certainly possible, especially when you see the uh, Switch commercials and the uh, original trailer wanting to push that eSports angle. So yep. that's, that's a, certainly a good point. Well, Seth, thank you so much for joining. Where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me at Major Moses twitter i uh don't tweet too often so i won't blow up your uh timeline well really appreciate the time thank you so much for contributing and have a great night thanks you too all right thanks seth when we come back we'll look back into the past almost seven years ago and look at the tweets that i made when i was on the show floor at e3 2010 you won't want to miss it when we come back here on the power switch Welcome back to the Power Switch. Let's get to a new segment I like to call the Wayback Game Back Time Machine. So here in the Wayback Game Back Time Machine, I'm looking back to things that happened in gaming history, in the gaming past. And we're going to actually start with, in a way, my personal past. Uh, because as I mentioned earlier in the show... I was lucky enough to have a connection with one of my friends in college to be able to go to E3 2010. And it was particularly a Nintendo connection, so I was very fortunate enough to be able to go to the Nintendo conference that year. And that is known by Nintendo fans as the last very good Nintendo press conference at E3. Uh, this was where they showed the Nintendo 3DS for the first time. Uh, so many other games. Uh, there was Kid Icarus Uprising for 3DS, obviously. But, you know, Wii was still in a pretty strong time, I would say. This was also the demo of Skyward Sword that went awry. And that was so awkward to be there. Uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns was revealed. And if you ever go back and watch that conference... After that Donkey Kong Country Returns trailer shows, they cut to the crowd, especially it was on G4, I think. Uh, but I am in that crowd shot, just very briefly, but I'm there. 22-year-old me. Uh, well, this is GoldenEye007 was another one. I just It was a lot of 
great Nintendo games at that one. But I wanted to kind of go through some of my tweets that I made because back in the day of hosting the Show Me Your News podcast that I did, uh, I was, you know, putting out different tweets and experiences from the floor and uh, I wanted to kind of run through some of them to kind of illustrate what it was like to be at E3 back then almost seven years ago. Now, of course, since this was seven years ago, it's always just a little cringeworthy to look back on tweets and it's like, oh, did I say that? Okay, well, so, you know, starting on, on Monday, June 14th, 2010 was the travel time out there. So I said, quote, touchdown at LAX. Flight had satellite TV and super bad was on FX. Now to finally get food and wait a few hours for my friend's plane. Haven't eaten since lunch because of the airport's design. Long story. Friends plane should be here soon. Podcast listening to kill time. And then finished up with, and of course our hotel is somehow overbooked despite our reservation. We'll be drained for Nintendo and more tomorrow. So it's an interesting story of what happened. Uh, my friend was coming from uh, Florida area, and I was from Michigan. So different flights out there. I had to wait a few hours for him. His flight got delayed a little bit, so I had to wait even longer. And when you get you know spit out at an airport, I hadn't ever really traveled by plane that much, which is kind of interesting now when I'm flying all the time for work. But when you get spit out and you pick up your bags and all that, there's nowhere for you to really go. Like there's a bench and maybe a bathroom, and there's there's just nothing. And I was starving. I had no food. Like you couldn't get food. Uh, you weren't about to pick up a taxi. And LAX is a pretty crazy airport with all of its terminals. So yeah, I waited there. That was a long time. We went to our hotel finally, and we didn't have our reservation, even though we did have one. So they had to set up another hotel. We, we, it was it was two a.m. when we finally got in there. You know, Pacific time, and like that's what five a.m. Eastern time. So it was. Long, long day, and then we had to be up. We only could sleep for a few hours, and okay, first day of E3. So that was that was interesting. So when I got to sit down in the in the Nintendo press conference, uh, so some tweets here. After some more administrative issues, we are inside the Nokia Theater for Nintendo, fifth row, stage right, middle aisle. Bring on Reggie. Yeah, those those were really good seats. They're really really good seats. One more hour till showtime. They have multiple choice trivia on the screens to pass the time. Some easy, some challenging. Celebs spotted here. GTTV's Jeff Keighley, Kotaku's Brian Crescenti, and the backs of G4's TV crew. Kevin, maybe Olivia, and maybe Zach? I don't remember who Zach is on G4. That just shows the passage of time. All right, five minutes away. Phone off during the show. 3DS? Zelda, Vitality Sensor, other surprises? It's Nintendo's show to win. <laughs> Vitality Sensor. Oh boy. Oh boy. And after the show, I tweeted, I just attended the most fucking epic conference ever at E3. No contest. All hardcore from Nintendo. <laughs> oh, and there's more. Oh my God. Oh my god! 3DS demo from Booth Babes at the show. Trust me, this handheld will be legit! Another half hour before the floor is open to con-goers. But guys, 3DS. Link swung his sword and I gasped. Now you're playing with power! 
fucking cringe, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, just to kind of run through the games that I got to try on the show floor there, I was GoldenEye, uh, Metroid Other M, Sonic Colors, uh, when I thought Other M was kick-ass, apparently. I mean, I did enjoy Other M for what it was worth, but, you know, the, the story, wow, not so much. Of course, Donkey Kong Country Returns. I tried Little Big Planet 2 and struggled. I tried Gran Turismo 5 in 3D, but the game crashed on me when I tried to pick the uh, Enzo and Gallardo, and that was interesting. I, I That was the year of Connect at the E3 show floor, so I was in a very long line for that uh, to try different things there. Sonic 4 Episode 1 did that as well. It's, it's a really big show floor. I, I tweeted... Really starting to grasp the scale of this entire presentation here at E3. The people, the tech, the monitors, this shouldn't change at all. Like, it's it's very overwhelming uh, when you get there. Lots of lights, lots of sound, very, very loud. But that was day one, uh, Tuesday, January 15th, 2010. On the next day, Wednesday, January 16th, said, On the shuttle to the LA Convention Center for day two of E3. Then getting in line for 3DS no matter how long it may be. After that, Zelda. This 3DS line is even worse than yesterday. It's unbelievable. Probably will be worse tomorrow. I'm guessing a 90-minute wait. An hour and 15 minutes later, still in line for 3DS. The end is at least in sight. I want to try the naked sample of Snake Eater 3D. Guy says there's a time limit of 20 minutes on the 3DS stage. Hmm. And two hours later, here we go into the booth. No direct pictures or video of the screen, security says. Wow. Wow. Snake Eater, Kid Icarus, Mario Kart, Kingdom Hearts, and an interactive target shooting demo. Time ran out for Paper Mario. Graphics are pretty damn close to Wii. Loved every second. And I shook Charles Martinet's hand. Nintendo is going to make loads of money. That's right. I I did get to uh, say hi to Charles Martinet, and I got a quick little... Video thing, even though they they didn't do that, but you know, say no, no video, whatever. I think they meant more of the screen. But I, I got a little shot of him. He waved, and you know, I you know, really thanked him for the work that he did. Shook his hand like that's. I remember, like, yeah, I, that did happen. I I almost had forgotten. It's it's been it's been that long. So yeah, then I went to uh, try Legend of Zelda: Skyward Sword. A very long line for that as well. I had a swag for a T-shirt that I, I still wear to this day. It's a, it's a pretty good one. They gave out the shirt if you could beat the boss, which was the, the scorpion with the eyes in it. Uh, they slash each of those. It was in the, the sand ship level, uh, if you remember that from Skyward Sword. So, I mean, it pretty easy to you know get a sense of. You just kind of jump, hop around. A lot of people were really bad at that. It was, it was shocking how many people were bad just looking back on it. Let's see. Also played Kirby's Epic Yarn. Golden Sun Dark Dawn on a 3DS XL. That was, you know, just happened to be there, I guess. I remember I also played Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, and I really did not understand it at the time. I mean, I would go and play it, you know, several years later, and that's a great game, but to play it on a demo and time limit, that was uh, really unusual, I guess. And then there was PlayStation Move. So here are some tweets there. Currently in line to use the Move. Significantly shorter lines compared to 3DS, Zelda, and Kinect. Like, by a lot. TV Superstars for Move was a little silly, but it was a good introduction to the device's precision. Back in line for the boxing game. 
Looks like they're distinguishing those in the move line between fight and not fight. Guess which one of their games is the most popular? The fight was not worth the hour-long wait, but Miyamoto checked it out from the outside with his posse while I was in there. Yay, gaming idols! That's right, that, that did happen as well. I mean, I wasn't using it at the time. I was, you know, in there, uh, there was someone else using it, you know, kind of went there in pairs. Uh, but yeah, wow, that's... Uh, but yeah, it was you know, Miyamoto and Trinan and a couple others. Uh, that's an unusual like tale, I guess, to, to tell, just that the first time I saw Shigeru Miyamoto in person, it was through glass while it was in a PlayStation Move demo. That's really fucking weird. So yeah, there was also uh, Sonic Freeriders, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, The Conduit 2, and The Last Airbender, based off of the movie. Uh, you know, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, I thought was my game of the show. I played Morrigan, Dante, and Wolverine. The opponent picked Ryu, Deadpool, and Captain America before me, according to a tweet that I had. Oh yeah, Mario Sports Mix? That was, that was weird. And gosh, how could I even forget? Uh, Epic Mickey. Disney's Epic Mickey was another game that was kind of a surprise from the Nintendo conference. And it was one of the last games I played on day two. Uh, to the point where it was so empty, but you still had Nintendo PR there. And after I played, they took me aside and, like, would you like to do an interview for a video we're doing for Nintendo's website? And I said, okay, sure. And I gave an interview and they used part of it in a video. And according to the tweet, I said, ah, yes, I also gave a video testimonial to Nintendo regarding Epic Mickey for their E3 site. Told me I was like a pro, lol. Keep an eye out. So the funny story that happened with that is, uh, yeah, I apparently gave him like this really good quote and it was just a good interview in general, but then they just used this segment where I was talking about like the paint thinner mechanic and just like the basics of the game and it, it didn't come across as well as I was hoping. And like, that was, that was a little weird. <laughs> I don't know. And then Thursday, nothing really happens on Thursday. It was just, you know, kind of like the, the last drags of the show, I suppose, but some interesting tweets here just to wrap things up. Just walked past Peter Molyneux. What happened to Milo and Kate anyway? Not a bad tweet from <laughs> several years ago. I'll give, I'll give myself a little bit credit there. Uh, I tried Sonic Colors for DS, Wii Party, Super Scribblenauts, and then tried a couple games again like Sonic. I guess I really liked Sonic 4 back then. It was, it was an okay game. No complaints there. On the way out, we stopped by where they were shooting the bonus round, which was a game trailer show. Uh, where they had Jeff Keighley, Brian Crescente, Michael Pactor, and as my tweet said, some guy? If I'm trying to remember, it might have been like Shane Bentonhouse, maybe? I, I don't think that video is there online anymore. Just not Obviously not on game trailers, but not even on like a YouTube archive or anything like that. Uh, but that was another video where like you pause at certain points, like my friend and I are there, like kind of blurry in the background, like that's that's us. <laughs> So, um, yeah, there were games I didn't get to try, as my tweet says. Games I didn't find demos for. Metal Gear Solid Rising, Portal 2, Star Wars The Force Unleashed 2, and others. Gears 3 and Reach only had a theater booth. Uh, so, again, those are probably ones that were backstage, you know, secret shows that press had to set up meetings for. And so people on there on the floor couldn't really do that. So I waited in a lot of lines. Granted, I got to play quite a bit of games, you know, looking back on it, but the game press has only grown since 2010. Add that to the fact that they're increasing the audience by 30% 
with the 15,000 public tickets. The size of the floor is not changing. The size of the booths is probably not changing. I hope that you know at E3 they're coming up with different strategies to kind of help accommodate that larger size because it's going to be crazy. It's really, really going to be nuts. Um, but I don't know. I thought it was interesting to take a look at that way back game back time machine. Looking back at my uh, my E3 2010 experience, you know, more stories there. I wish I could go further in depth, but there's only so much time really. And just wanted to kind of cover all that there. And that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. And you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. Most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com slash call. It's a small but growing community, and in these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on the podcast. If I want to give you a YouTube video to watch this week, let's continue to talk about GameStop's Circle of Life initiative, the idea of the four pillars of their business, where they're not stressing selling new games. And so Mega64 takes a look at this in a video that just came out, I think it was today or yesterday, very recently. They call it the circle of life, fitting enough, but check out Mega64's video uh, highlighting this. It's really, really well done for a two minute clip. So yeah, I apologize, I'm still getting over this cold and it's you know late, my birthday, I've been up since 2 a.m. and now it's the equivalent of 11 p.m. Uh, for the East Coast. Here in Chicago, wrapping things up, uh, wanted to kind of get my thoughts down and as yours as well uh, about this E3 public news. It's, it's big. A lot of people were talking about it today and figured it was worth discussing. So maybe we'll record on the weekend. I don't know. I mean, I'll finally get to celebrate my birthday with my wife, my brother, my family. Not really getting the chance to today through the end of the week. So we'll see how the scheduling can work out there. But regardless, stay tuned to our Discord channel as that develops, Twitter as well. And whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spezia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.